everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, Volume 3, Issue 123. You can play along with Cane and Rinse Volume 3 and our next five issues for the podcast are to cover the games Papo and Yo. Then our Super Mario series continues with Galaxy and its sequel, which was called, cleverly, Galaxy 2. Portal, that's the start of a two-game series of podcasts. Uh, Metro Last Light, of course, uh, it's been announced recently that um, I think Metro 2033 is coming to next-gen consoles and Last Light or something. Are they both coming? Yeah. I'm not sure, but yeah. So that's cool. And uh, and then the start of our next series, it overlaps the end of our previous two series. I know it's confusing, but <laughs> you'll understand. Uh, we're starting a little run on Burnout um, and the first podcast regarding the Burnout games. Uh, we'll just cover the first two, Burnout and Burnout 2, Point of Impact. Uh, it's all on canerince.com. There is a podcast schedule tab click it on the homepage, drop down and it's all there uh, recording dates and everything um, the blog is also there of course links to our forum, our merchandise store, our Spreadshirt shop actually, Facebook, Google Plus Twitter and YouTube and as always, as we always say, if you wouldn't mind subscribing to us on iTunes and reviewing and rating us as well that would be fantastic thank you, message ends joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue though, we have, welcome back, Jay Taylor how do it's been a while. Yep. What was the last podcast you were on? I, I have no idea. When was the last? no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And uh, Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Welcome. And all the way from the USA, Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, we may as well issue a spoiler warning right at the top here. Um, because there are elements of this game that uh, are definitely spoilable, um, to be honest, and I'll say it now, I can't really remember anything about the story of either game. (laughs) Um, And although I've done a refresher, um, I haven't been back to the games. Um, I have completed them both, of course. But uh, this, it may be that we can't spoil them because we can't remember what happened. But actually, I think there are are a few things, particularly regarding the end of the first game, that that are worth commenting on. So there you have it. If you haven't played the infamous games and you intend to, and you care about them being spoiled, that might happen. Our histories then, going back to the release of the first game in 2009, or possibly sometime after, let's start with um, PlayStation Expert <laughs> and exclusive <laughs> and exclusive hoarder, uh, Sean O'Brien. Uh, well, I remember th- they announced it, I think, in an E3. Um, and I remember watching the reveal and... I'm not really heavy in like real into comics or comic book stories mm-hmm. or comic book movies or anything superhero stuff. It just doesn't really it's yeah. not really my thing. Yeah. Okay. And um so I was just kind of like, oh, this looks pretty cool. Looks like a fun little open world kind of thing. It looks pretty and all that stuff and I just thought it was uh, maybe I'll try it someday. And then um I don't know if they had the same deal over there, but over here uh, every copy of Infamous came with uh Uncharted 2 beta uh inside Ooh. of it, a little code. Right. And so that kind of sealed the deal <laughs> for me. So I uh, I picked that up day one, actually, mostly just to get into that beta. But I ended up getting a pretty fun little game out of it. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Played it through uh, once or twice, good and evil? Uh, yeah, twice. Tried them both. I don't remember much okay. of the difference. But, yeah, I uh, mm. did play it both, yeah. 
Okay, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll do both in in one go. What about the sequel? Do you remember anything specific about picking that up? Was it a day one because yeah. you enjoyed the first? Yeah, game? Yeah, it was definitely a day yeah. one. Yeah, I, I I really liked the first game, and then I remember watching previews for the second one. I just thought it looked so much better, and it looked really promising. So yeah, picked it up day one, and same thing, played both. Uh, Good and evil, and wow. I think it was actually my first platinum trophy. So, because it was actually kind of easy, but yeah, ah, very nice. Yeah. Um, oh, I wonder. I assume at least one or two of the trophies were relating to the related to the user created content. I think, yeah, I, if I remember right, it was just like just try and make one. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. all, right. all right. Well, we'll talk a little. Nothing bit like little big later. planet or anything. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> of course. And uh, Josh, do you remember two thousand and nine? Yeah, um, initially I wasn't really that excited for Infamous. Um, I was actually more excited for Prototype, which both those games were kind of uh, released around the same time. They often get mentioned Mm -hmm. in the same breath. Yeah. Yes. And, um, I mean, the reason why I was more excited for Prototype is because that developer made Hulk Ultimate Destruction, which Mm. isn't, you know, an absolutely amazing game, but as Hulk games go, it was a pretty Mm. good uh, representation of the big green giant in this medium. Had a great rep, didn't it? It was kind of, it was, it was a bit, it was a bit, uh, another game which is probably relevant is Crackdown and Hulk Ultimate Destruction probably sort of, um, you know, foreshadowed some of the things that would happen in Crackdown maybe. Yeah. So, Mm. yeah, I, I, I had little to no excitement for Infamous um, (laughs) when it came out. But then I believe Prototype came out first because I remember buying Prototype Day 1 and being extremely disappointed. (laughs) Um, uh, Prototype, I don't think we'll ever do a a podcast. Actually, incredibly, Prototype came out one week after Infamous. Really? Okay, Okay, that that says a lot about my excitement for Infamous because it it was, I think, several months after its release that I picked it up. But yeah, I was really disappointed by Prototype. And then the review, I I actually looked at the reviews for Infamous and Mm. it was getting, you know, it wasn't getting like absolutely amazing scores, but it was getting like eights and a couple of nines Mm. here and Mm. there. I thought, okay, maybe maybe this is the superhero game that I was uh, looking for. (laughs) forward to and yeah i ended up enjoying it and so with infamous 2 i went into it with the knowledge that i really liked the first one and i picked that one up day one um so yeah that's pretty much my history with this series have you been through more than once with either of them um i went through once with infamous one because i liked it but i had other games to play it was 2009 and quite Mm -hmm. a few great games came out that year Mm. um it was like Uncharted Two came out yep. that year, yeah. So I was I played Uncharted Two several times that year, uh, but mm. Infamous Two, yeah, I actually played that game through like three or four times, I think, um, both wow. good and evil. I, I re- yeah, I I really um, dug into Infamous Two, unlocked all the secrets and everything. So yeah, cracky. Okay, uh, Jay. Um... I wasn't a fan of Sly Cooper, so I didn't have any real uh, affection for the the developer. I just remember seeing all this stuff coming out in the preview in in Edge and and games magazines that were running features on it. Um, But I wasn't excited about the game. Uh, I really don't know why, to be honest. But I remember when the demo came out, I played that and thought, yeah, maybe someday. And then... Hmm. 
you bought it. And then you were going to trade it in, so I bought your copy off you. Oh yeah, uh, do you know I'd completely forgotten that? <laughs> yes, that is that is true. Yes, and so that's how I eventually came around to playing it, and I played it through uh, probably I played it through probably twice, at least twice, but each mm. time as a good guy. With the sequel, well, the sequel came along because it was a PS Plus subscription. Oh yeah, so <laughs> yes, yeah, so that was quite handy. Um, <laughs> Oh, so I, I thought that was on PS Plus before you'd subscribed. It was but. the first. It was one of the first games that I actually okay. downloaded when I signed up for it. So I thought, yeah, right. okay, very good. Yes, so I bought Infamous. Um, eventually, sold it to Jay. Apparently, <laughs> um, it's, it's it's kind of nostalgic for me because I think it was one of, if not the very first video game I ever talked about on a podcast um, on Gamer Dork UK, as it was then back in yeah summer of. No, it wasn't the first because it was slightly after that. But yes, summer. It was it was early on anyway, summer of uh, two thousand nine. Um, I think it was. We were still in the era where I'd gone into a a, a game shop on a Friday. I was you know, working full time, and that thing where you go into a game shop on a Friday, having worked all week, and you think I'm going to treat myself to whatever cool game you know I fancy, uh, having worked for the man for the <laughs> the corporate. Uh, whatever um for a week um and this was the the game that stood out um i'd not played any of the sly cooper or sly raccoon games um and i still haven't really other than the intro of sly one hd which was another playstation plus game um but i had played uh, a little of a friend's copy of rocket robot on wheels on the n64 back in the late 90s around uh, yeah a friend's friend's n64 um and this was a developer that sh- had showed promise and yeah i liked the premise um not in terms of the, the scenario the story the plot the characters but in terms of the um you know everyday schmo becomes super powered electric man um in open world creates havoc uh, seemed like quite a lot of fun to me and we were also still at the point where um, there weren't that many perhaps must-have PlayStation 3 exclusives. I'd only had my PS3 for about a year at this point, having had my 360 for a, a good while longer, and that was my kind of go-to machine. So it was that thing of like, yeah, something something that I can only play on this console. And uh, I played it through definitely um, to the end and collected most of the blast shards, um, did start an evil playthrough, and like seemingly other people... Um, anecdotally got about maybe a third of the way through and kind of felt I'd done enough and wanted to play other things so dropped it the sequel um, I got it on PS Plus yes um, when that, whenever that was and um, yeah just rattled through it again fairly quickly on uh, I think it was a good playthrough um, I don't think I've even really dabbled being a bad guy in it but yes Sucker Punch, a Washington-based studio. Weirdly, um, even though they worked only with Sony from the year 2000 until uh, today, they were only acquired by Sony in uh, towards the end of 2011. I assume that's when... Uh, I mean, I don't know if Sucker Punch or Sony owned the Sly Cooper, Sly Raccoon IP, but certainly other teams are making games that now. Um, one of this month's... Um, PlayStation Plus games is a recent um, Sly game, which is both Vita and PS3. What's it called? I can't remember. Thieves, Thieves in and Time. Thieves in Time, yeah. So, and that's yeah. not by Sucker Punch, is it? That's a, a Sony studio, I believe, doing doing Sly Cooper. Mm. Um, I think the reason I'd never played any of the Sly games was, um, although, you know, I'm certainly not averse to a, you know, a cartoony platform or whatever, it was the emphasis on stealth. Um, it was the last thing is, you know, one of my least favorite things in gaming 
you know, is is, is when a game has a, a stealth mission slipped in there. When I, you know, and and I've I've got on with very few stealthy games, but the idea of a, a cutesy cartoon sort of collect them up with stealth really didn't appeal at all. Um, have any of us played any Sly games? I've played the second one. Um, second one? Yeah. PS2 type? Yeah, PS on the PS2. Um, I enjoyed what I played of it. I never completed it. Um, but mm. what's interesting is how similar the uh, platforming controls are between That's what Sly and says. Infamous. Yeah. 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 A lot of the... Um, you know, climbing up buildings and walking mm. along um, electrical lines and stuff like that is really, really similar. Um, right. The, the you know the part where they diverge is the combat. The, the, they they handle enemy yeah. encounters completely differently. But yeah, you you can feel that they're made by the same developer. It's really obvious. Mm. Yeah. Um. We obviously uh, a sly. Cane uh, and Rinse show is not an impossibility. The, there's the the trilogy of them are there on on PSN, um, often available for very very little money. And there's and then there's the more recent one, um, a rocket robot on wheels. Cane uh, and Rinse is a lot less likely because it was only on N64. It's pretty rare that cartridge now. I think it probably fetches decent sums. Obviously, it can be played on emulation, but it was an interesting game with with issues. But for a debut title, I remember Edge gave it a particularly glowing write up and said, you know, this is a developer to watch out for. Um, and yeah, they were probably right. So yes, fast forward many years after they'd pretty much uh, knocked out the Sly um, trilogy over the space of about a decade. Uh, they decided they wanted to do something a bit more uh, gritty, if you want, a bit more um, out there, a bit more all action. And that game was infamous. Uh, as we said, it was May Late May, early June, most of the world, 2009, and Japan got it in November. Nate Fox is the director. Jeff Vargas is the producer. And um, the music credits are a little confusing, but I think Eamon Tobin had quite a lot to do with the music in the first game. Um, mm. Best known in games probably for his Splinter Cell Chaos Theory soundtrack. But I have to confess, I remember nothing about the music to either of these <laughs> games. Yeah, yeah. I, I mostly just remember the music that plays on the uh, XMB uh, screen, <laughs> but yeah. anything else, I just I can't remember. Um, uh, I, I don't I don't remember much of the music for the first one, but I I remember the second one having a really good mm. soundtrack, um, especially towards the opening where you first meet the Beast. Spoilers, by the way, everyone. Mm. Um, already said spoilers. Yeah, yeah. You knew now. But. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I really like the second one's soundtrack, but yeah, the first one, I can't remember any music from it whatsoever. No, I remember the sound effects. I remember lots of, you know, yeah. electric and explosions and, you know, metallic noises and, and stuff. And But I just, yeah, I have very little recollection of the music. Um, but if you say so, the sequel had a more interesting soundtrack, <laughs> possibly. Um, so that was Jim Dooley, um, who'd also worked on Dead to Rights too. Who remembers the Dead to Rights? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Jack and Daxter: The Lost Frontier, um, the one of the forgotten Jack and Daxter games. Was that on PSP or something? Um, anyway, uh, an Epic Mickey, an Epic Mickey too. Um, and the Infamous Two soundtrack actually came in two flavors. There was a red and a blue, um, and um, there were some bands involved, um, like Galactic and Brain, helping out with presumably some of the the rocking, um, you know, 
hellish metal or whatever. I don't know what it maybe it was electronic. I, I don't know, but f- I think for the probably for the red disc, which was the evil music, I think there was more there was more kind of um, you know that kind of music, devil horns type stuff. <laughs> um, and another guy called uh, JD Mayer worked on both games, um, and his only other credit. I believe is uh, he did some additional music for Uncharted Three, so not too bad. Mm-hmm. Right now, let's start with the basic premise. Um, there haven't been a lot of video games based around couriers, but there have been some. Uh, who remembers Courier Crisis on the PlayStation One? <laughs> no. <Nope. laughs> It was an early PS1 game uh, in which you played a courier who was in a crisis. It was kind of like a modern variant of Paperboy, uh, to a to a degree. Um, I suppose you could say Faith from Mirror's Edge was a courier. Yeah, um, kind of. Sort of. Um, but I think my, my favourite uh, fictional couriers prior to Infamous were probably uh, Michael Elphick as Boone in the ITV drama series, uh, comedy drama series of the 1980s, and, and Michael Smiley as Tyres from Spaced. Um, and then came Cole McGrath. <laughs> so we start in, we're in Empire City, which is uh, New York, right? Basically, yeah. Yes, um, um, sort of. Is is in the second sun? Is Seattle called Seattle? Yeah, or is it, yeah, it actually is named something straight up Seattle? And they, just they pulled a lot. Why didn't they just do that? I have no. Why didn't they do that? Before? I don't know. I guess maybe because they actually know Seattle since they're there. But that's the only thing I can think mm. of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, maybe because they haven't got a clue where they're going with it. <laughs> <laughs> So here we are. Uh, we start out as a regular schmo. Um, yeah, what's he like, everyone? He sounds a lot like Batman uh, <laughs> in this first game, especially. He's just yeah. just shoveled a loaded gravel into his vocal cords. Um, <laughs> mm. And that's the only thing I remember about him yeah. as a character. Um, he's really kind of, he's a bit of a Johnny template, I think, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. in that he's... He he's just just your average kind of like hi I'm a guy I I mean he can be evil but the way I played him in the first game he was just a good guy and a really boring one at that mm-hmm. just your, your typical boy scout is what I remember from him. Well, yeah, that's definitely for the first one he's not very interesting at all. But I think in the yeah. second one when they get um the different voice actor Eric Ladine. Uh, yeah. I think he gives him a lot of personality in the second game. But yeah, the first one is real rough to give any yeah. kind of crap about them so yeah I, I don't know what the decision was um i haven't looked up whether they ever came out and said why they recast it but um jason cottle did the first game um he's uh, he's got some uh, some credits for you know smaller parts in american tv things like law and order and the mob doctor don't know what that is. I don't think we even have it over here um he did do some voices on westwood studios uh, blade runner Oh really? Uh, yeah, mm. where, you know the um, the nineteen ninety seven point and click adventure yeah. going all the way back. Um, that would be oh, an interesting cane of rinse. Absolutely, it? yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and he also has things like he's a set production assistant on things like The Apprentice and The Sopranos. So, um, it's kind of jobbing would be the word. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, he got uh, dumped or he didn't want to return for the sequel and was replaced by yeah Eric is it Ladine Ladine yeah, Ladine, Ladine. Ladine. <laughs> um, and he uh, he has uh, been in you know some again he's, he's been yeah, he played J. Edgar Hoover in Boardwalk Empire mm-hmm. that's pretty cool um, and Grey's Anatomy NCIS Dexter he's been in lots of the you know the sort of 
the American version of The Killing. So, yep. yeah. He is a better actor. I'll give him that. So if that was the reason why they recast the character, <laughs> that's a, yeah. a good decision. Sure. Yeah. Um, but as a personality, um, mm. I mean, yeah, do, do you think it's just... We're, we're kind of going to talk about both games uh, across each other, uh, listeners. So that's that's what's going on here, rather than tackling one because th- there's quite a lot of similarities. But this is probably the biggest difference, in fact. Um, <laughs> would you say, gentlemen, that Cole McGrath's character development is purely to do with a uh, what what we might feel is a, su- a superior piece of casting in the sequel, or is it to do with the writers having got their head around what he is and who he is, or um, what? I don't think the writing got any better. I do think his performance is better. You know, the new the new actor is a better actor in the second one, but I still think ultimately Cole McGrath is a bit of a dull character, regardless of who's playing him. I know Sean might feel differently, but I like I I never hate him. That's the thing. I never. It's not like yeah. the uh, protagonist of Far Cry Three, who I wish <laughs> like I actively hate oh, yeah. all the way through that game. Cole McGrath's just yeah. kind of okay. You're just kind of a shell for me to wear while I play this exactly. game. Yeah, and that's how I felt. Yeah, the it, thing is, he, he must have a fair amount of. A, he must have some kind of following because there was oh, yeah. all the furore that that kicked off between one and two. When they when when the the first screenshots of two came out and they showed him oh, with yeah. hair and tattoos and stuff and suddenly there was <laughs> this backlash of like what is use this guy you know mm-hmm. I think pretty much every character at this point because you know geek culture and whatever if, if whatever you want to call it it's not really that anymore it's just popular culture mm-hmm. isn't it yeah. um, I think everyone's got a following because yeah. this medium is so huge if if you look you know if you look at um, Kotaku's uh, documenting of any event where there's cosplay, you can pretty much find any character. Somebody out there is is an insane fan of, yeah. of every <laughs> rubbish character in the most obscure games. Yeah. And so, a, a relatively big game like um, Infamous, yeah, it's definitely gonna. The people are into that, and and there is the power fantasy of of playing uh, Electric Man, whether you play him good or evil. Yeah. Um, with hair or shaven headed, you know what the difference. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but well, I suppose if, I think if char- you're into the image. characters become symbols for the games they represent. Like Mario's mm. got no personality whatsoever, but I would be kind of upset if they changed the design of Mario at this point because yeah. he has become a symbol for the kind mm. of gameplay experience I expect from that series. Now, I don't think Cole is up there with Mario, <laughs> but to some people, it's kind of the same thing. Like, he, Cole becomes like a symbol for this style of gameplay, and to mess mm. with him is kind of, you know, a bit like, you know, messing up a sacred mm. cow, cow, as mm. it were. And also, for a young man, what's the more aspirational, uh, a portly, um, irrepressible plumber or a guy who wears a jacket and scowls and has electric powers you know grind electric uh, rails Um, yeah it it certainly makes sense but um, Sean you made a noise uh, when Josh suggested that he didn't feel the writing had improved between games one and two do you feel differently Uh, yes and and no, I uh, like the I don't I say it like that because I don't remember much of the writing. Like there's nothing really. Yeah. I don't remember any specific lines that were like, oh, that was great, you know. But I do remember as I was playing it that I felt like 
especially the dialogue between characters felt a lot. I I don't know if it's because they, um, I think they used Naughty Dog's uh, mocap studio, and right. so they had the actors in the same room and all that for for two. And mm. I don't know if it's maybe mm. because of that or something, but I felt like the dialogue between characters right. was a lot uh, fresher feeling in okay. the second one. But yeah, I mean, but at the same time, like I said, I don't remember much of it, so maybe that's also a testament to the quality. So I don't know. Further down the cast list, you've got some, uh, you know, some of the re- recognizable names like Phil Lamar, who everyone knows mm. from lots of stuff, including um, you know, Metal Gear and uh, Futurama. Um, you've got Graham McTavish and people like that. Um, returning I- in the second game uh, is uh, his uh, Cole's sidekick buddy, uh, Zeke, <laughs> uh, played by Caleb Moody, um, another, you know, um, face you would probably recognize from any number of american tv series um this is a character i i hated yeah uh, yeah i actually did hate in both games um anyone anyone wants to say anything pro zeke i i I think in the second game he's okay i know like i know in the first one he's like his voice is just it's just his voice to me that's the most like uh right it just rattles in your ear and he's very pushing you and the end and i think in the first game doesn't he like turn on you yeah, at one does. point just yeah, to make, yeah, it, make yeah, it even yeah. worse yeah but i think in the second game like i said but again with the dialogue thing i just uh, there was a couple moments where i thought he was at least a little bit better still not like I, the most likable character but a little bit better i found him annoying in both games but like sean said i think they gave me more reasons to go okay i understand why why cole would keep this guy around yeah. in the yeah, second game yeah. whereas in the first yeah. game they gave me no reason to understand <laughs> yeah. their friendship so it's just mm-hmm. why why do you keep this guy around he either backstabs <laughs> you or does something yeah. remarkably incompetent all the time yeah. so just <laughs> or he's just generally grotesque and un- yeah. Yeah. kind of schlubby and yeah, pervy vi- visually. And, yeah. yeah there's i mean it's He's he's the, for me he's a sort of classic misjudged comedy sidekick, mm-hmm. um, and that you know that yeah my my lack of affection for any character in this game or, or strong memory for them that you know that I have the strongest memory for Zeke but it's not a positive one unfortunately. <laughs> it was um, his character was actually a real turnoff in the first game at one point. Mm. I mean at the point where he betrays you, you kind of I felt that that was, that kind of I, I turned off at that point because it just. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like they could feasibly forgive him for what he'd done, and mm-hmm. it, you know, just the fact that he he was still there, and I couldn't kill this guy, you know, and it was just yeah, oh, please. The, the one hanging around like a bad smell. The one character in the entire series that I did kind of warm to and feel positive towards was, um, I think her name's Lucy. Co, yeah, 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 in the second game. Um, Mm -hmm. Not that she's a particularly great character. She just, I, I I liked her, and compared to the other characters in the series, that was a step up. Um, Mm. I just found Mm. her like her struggle with her ice powers and not quite understanding what to do with herself really compelling. Whereas everyone else is kind of either Cole was just boring. And Zeke was just infuriating. So, <laughs> in a game where th- that's kind of the standard, yeah. she st- stood out a bit. So, yeah. Dawn, uh, Dawn Olivieri, um, another you know recognisable actor uh, actor from uh, American TV, and uh, also a, a cartoon voice for the Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes. She is. She uh, does the Gwyneth Paltrow thing uh, for Pepper Potts. It's probably completely different to Paltrow's reading. I don't know. I've not seen it. <laughs> so a big explosion happens. 
Um, we know not why at this stage. Um, and I remember the opening stages of yeah. the game being quite frustrating because you're at this point you've got no real powers or certainly very little understanding. And there's some quite pernickety platforming and, and sneaking. Um, and it's, it takes a while before you're given any sort of uh, inkling that you're you're going to be able to navigate this open world yeah. um i remember that i know every game start well pretty much every game starts like that and they don't want to overwhelm mm-hmm. you but uh i thought it i thought it had a weak opening the I, first game uh, the one well, area where i feel like prototype actually uh did something better than uh infamous was the opening mm. In that, mm. in prototype, in the opening, they give you access to every single power you will have yeah, in the end right. game. Yeah. And that gave mm. you an idea of, okay, this is what I'm going to be like later on. So you, when you get into the mm. game proper and you're weaker and you don't have that many powers, like, oh, it's fine, I'll get there eventually. But in Infamous, you're really limited earlier on because basically all you have is the ability to climb and then shoot people with lightning towards the beginning. And yeah. it's a real shame because some of the the most interesting powers like grinding on the rails like i know in the second one you can do that straight away but in the first yeah. one it takes a while before that power mm. is introduced and it's crazy yeah, to slamming me slamming down throwing cars yeah tossing uh, people up in the air with wind vortexes yeah this is the, the, what i wonder is um i remember seeing the second game being demoed and it was slight it was somewhat of a canned demo at um euro gamer one year probably 2010 um it kind of right at the end of the demo it took took control away from the player and just mm. did this almighty sort of pseudo uh real-time thing that was pretty much it sort of segued into a yeah a pre-programmed sequence but it made me realize that i think so many people and you know this is don't want to get into talking about the perception of the perception of the game but <laughs> i sometimes uh when i sometimes hear people you know th- there are quite a lot of negative comments about infamous overall but i do wonder if a lot of those people didn't get beyond the point where it's it is quite you know quite dull and frustrating at first as i found it just mm-hmm. waiting to get get any kind of serious power together all my fond memories of, of both these games and and i have many are all about when i'm pretty much fully tooled up yeah mm-hmm. I, I agree with you guys about the you know it's one of those doesn't get fun until a couple hours in kind of games but i i, mm. I do want to say like the actual very first thing in the game i think is actually kind of cool where it's just the start start menu and it's just a shot of uh empire city and then like it's just it's totally quiet you can hear people walking down the street and stuff and then you hit the start button and then it just all explodes right there and you're yeah, like whoa yeah. like what was that <laughs> you know i think actually that was pretty cool yeah, but yeah then good. after that then it, yeah, yeah it does kind of dip a little bit until it gets better so mm. Mm. um yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, we should talk about the whole presentation um, of the game. Um, most of the uh, between sort of, well, I suppose between chapters, but various elements of uh, progression are bookended by um, sort of animated comic book style cutscenes, mm. obviously reinforcing the comic book style um, setup. And um, I suppose, you know, it was probably cheaper than, than doing <laughs> yeah, that. I've always, yeah, I've always thought it was a yeah. like cost. Yeah. reason for that it's, it's really you, it's often you see it now in sorry josh in things like um in dlc things like yeah. Uh, yeah. in enslaved castlevania. in castlevania yeah it's mm-hmm. like okay we've got less time and less money to do this so mm-hmm. um we'll use sort of 
yeah, almost like 2.5 DR or whatever. Sorry, Jim. It's really odd in the second one, though, because they have those comic book cutscenes, but then they also have the yeah. fully mm-hmm. motion-captured yeah. cutscenes mm-hmm. as well. And you're kind of thinking, well, if you have the budget now to do these motion-captured cutscenes, mm-hmm. just do them all like that. So, yeah. um I think I'd have almost rather they'd have stuck to the style, perhaps maybe yeah. more, you know, because I think there's nothing... There's nothing wrong with going for a stylized cutscene thing and taking you out of the engine for a bit. I mean, well, I don't think there is. I mean, it, uh, you know, you could argue that it damages immersion or whatever, mm. but I actually, you know, I, I don't think that it any more so than any other kind of cutscene. I think if they'd gone for a real, they'd stuck with that aesthetic, the comic animated comic book come to life thing, but really done it and gone really gone to town on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that would have been more memorable more, yeah. more I, distinctive than just you know, i kind of felt that the the art style that they used for those uh, sequences it, it did feel connected with the game itself there was something in the way that the visuals work it, it had that kind of sort of scratchy kind of detail to it and i, I, hmm. I didn't mind that i mean it wasn't anywhere near as as, as disconcerting as say mirror's edge was where you had those yeah. bizarre kind of flash animation yeah. stuff in between mm. which pulled you entirely out of what was going on in the game um another thing that i always it didn't bother me to the point that it put me off but i have you know um most of the feedback we've got for this game i'll say in advance is positive but that obviously is the nature of the beast in that people want to talk about it more but um in uh, in memory, uh, having had conversations with other people over the last few years, there's often a lot of talk about how how little like a real place um, Empire City feels. Whether that's to do with um, just the layout of it, or the the types of buildings there are, or the conversation of the NPCs, for me it always felt like a, a comic book city. Yeah, um, mm. and and I was okay with that. But it it's not like gta 5 where it's trying for verisimilitude or you know or or a, or a parody of real life it's kind of a a stylized take and again you know maybe the size of the studio i mean i think like 60 people worked on the game or something maybe more but mm-hmm. the, the size of the studio and the budget even though it was being made for sony probably you know wouldn't have allowed them and the development time to you know to make a G, even a gta 4 sort of quality city but for me again because you end up spending 95% of your time kind of, you know, sliding around a place, doing electric powers and blowing everything asunder. I didn't really mind. But having said that, I haven't played the new one, which mm. appears to. And we have a great video up on the Kane Rinse YouTube channel at the moment from our contributor, Ryan Heyman, um, discussing the, um, the similar similarities and small differences between real-life Seattle and Second Sun Seattle, which is well worth watching. Um, it didn't ever bother me that it felt kind of like a weird city like a not a real place what what about the rest of you yeah it never even popped in my head actually i mean i could tell it was taking inspiration from new york but i could tell it was also not trying to straight up imitate new york so Mm. i I mean i just took it as it was it was empire city this is the way empire city looks so yeah it never really crossed my mind Um, same thing with um same thing with uh new marae like i again obviously takes inspiration from um New Orleans, but I, uh, yeah. I don't know. It just still feels like they're their own. They have their own identities to me. So, Jay, um, I don't know why, but it's always it's always struck me as as I've always thought of it as Detroit, not as New York. I don't know why. Mm. Uh, maybe it's just because it looks like shit. That's probably yeah. After the explosion, it <laughs> looks like modern day Detroit these days. But it's just um, 
<laughs> it's just kind of. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it, I found it a really dull place. Outside of doing the story stuff, there was nothing to do in this world other than yeah. the blast shard stuff. Was you know, it, it, it's part of the game because you have to find those things to get your unlocks and stuff. So. Yeah, that was it. But outside of that, there was nothing. And following the people around, which is something I do in all these games, I want to follow the NPCs. I want to see what they're doing and, and all that. They didn't really do anything. They just they just <laughs> go around in little circles all the time. And, mm. and they have that thing that you, as, as people pass you, you keep looking forward. Then you turn around and those people have disappeared almost immediately. Yeah. And there's different people mm. there and yeah. different cars. And, and you know, and... and even in 2009 or, or probably 2010 when I actually played the game, but it, it just felt like, mm, you know. But that said, I, you know, yeah, I just kept playing the story. But after, outside of that, there really wasn't anything to hold my interest. To, to, I mean, but, for me, like I, I, I never really compared this these two games to stuff like GTA or Red Dead Redemption mm-hmm. or anything like that, because. With those games, it is so much about like the sandbox, being able to experiment with the world and play with the AI and stuff like that. Whereas with Infamous, it really felt like this was just a hub area yeah, for yeah, the missions. Yeah. And for me, the missions in Infamous are actually, for the most part, stronger than a game like GTA 4. Well, I'm going with GTA 4 here. I haven't played <laughs> 5. Maybe 5's missions are amazing. <clears throat> but like compared to games that are trying to be much more sandboxy, I think the missions that you go into in Infamous were better constructed and felt a lot more polished. I would I would agree with that. It's just I think it was more the way that I was approaching the game rather than trying to... If it comes across as a criticism of the game because it didn't do this, it's not meant to be. It's just... I have this thing where I go into those games and that's what I'm looking for. Mm. And I've always, I mean, if memory serves, we did talk about, um, I, I seem to recall we talked about Infamous way back in the Game of the days and I can remember saying that I've always been fascinated with those worlds and wanting to see all the little details that the artists have put in. And and on that level, like looking at the detail on the buildings and, the, and things like graffiti and, and you know, little shop windows with TVs in them and stuff like that, that kind of stuff I always find really interesting just to see how, how much work's gone into it. But, you know, that only holds your attention for so long and then it's like, it just it's just a facade to everything. But, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, for me it felt, as I say, I, uh, apologies for bringing it up again, but uh, for some reason these games do exist in a similar space in my head, but it was more like, Crackdown's world, um, mm. you know, the real-time mm. world's Crackdown, not the Sega one from the 80s, which no one else remembers except me anyway. Um, <laughs> but it's that, yeah, heightened comic book, um, not, yeah, just not representational. It's, a, it's, a, it's clearly a place that exists only to be this place for this, to service you being this person, same mm-hmm. as Crackdown. Um, the, the difference for me was that, you know, I had a lot of fun with, crackdown and you know i collected most of the orbs and and all that stuff um and jumping about and throwing cars in the same way and all that stuff but crackdown kind of had stuff in it like driving that you just never wanted to do because it served no real purpose and you know the shooting was kind of so i i liked the fact that infamous was kind of more pure about its intent in that mm-hmm. here you are you are electric man you can be good or evil we're, we're coming on to that but 
this this is a this is basically a yeah it's like a it's like an open world platform basically a, a, an array of platforms to you for you to hop and grind and slide and jump and slam between um and obviously you know having seen i haven't played second son but having seen ryan's video i really like the way that seattle looks to be a, a more convincing thing but obviously the ps4's got more power and we're five years on as well and um I, you know I, d- I don't know about just on an aesthetic level i don't remember the first infamous looking particularly great all round really i mean it had some impressive mm-hmm. things and it was fun when you know you were letting off sparks and sucking energy out of things and it, and it looked serviceable and it had a, an atmosphere about it but i don't remember any it wasn't like those moments you have in you know even earlier games like again gta 4 you know the moment where you get in a helicopter at sunset and fly up above the city and it's like breathtaking um i don't remember sort of sunsets or or things like that in in this that made me just want to be in the world I, I guess that's kind of what jay's saying it was more mm-hmm. about just you know get on with stuff smash stuff fly about kill stuff hover you know whatever um am i being harsh on the graphics or am i am i remembering them wrong i mean the, the first no, one definitely was pretty um yeah i remember it i, I don't know it, it uncharted 2 came out that year and it kind of mm. <laughs> blew the doors off of everything else that came out there that year visually. And Infamous, by comparison, didn't look that great. I, I, I mean, it still looked good. I mean, it, it wasn't terribly looking, but compared to some of the stuff that was coming out then, um, it didn't mm. look amazing. I would say Infamous mm-hmm. 2 does look pretty good, though, yeah. even now. Mm. Um Especially, I think the biggest improvement is the character models in Infamous mm. 2. I mm-hmm. think uh, Cole looks a lot better. Um, all the enemies look a lot better. Whereas um, in Infamous, they look like HD PS2 character models, mm-hmm. um, which is... I, I, I'm not a huge um, a know, lot graphic... Of that, yeah, a lot Go of that on, seems to be with their animation, isn't it? It's yeah. like the, the, the way yeah. they move felt very... Like, they all move the same. They all kind of react the same. <laughs> you couldn't yeah. discern between... Uh, other than the different types... It was just, yeah. The mouth movements were the biggest one in yeah, the first yeah. infamous. Broken they literally kind of just going, like, like a, a Punch and Judy show, like the jaw just going <laughs> up and down like that. Yeah. Whereas in Infamous 2, they look like people talking to each other. Mm. <laughs> now, one of the famous aspects of uh, the Infamous games is something, again, I can remember talking about on Game of Talk five years ago, uh, was the... Uh, blindingly, face-slappingly obvious morality-ometer, uh, um, yeah. or the karma system as it's known. Now, this certainly wasn't the first game. You know, we were already some years on from Knights of the Old Republic and mm-hmm. um, Mass Effect 1 and uh, probably various others, even going, you know, thinking about black and white and stuff like that. But um, this game handled being good and bad by giving, occasionally giving you uh, very, you know, just black and white choices yeah. um i think the first one is is it is the first one literally give the poor people the yeah. food or keep all the food for yourself and i know yeah. that that first choice actually puts a lot of people off the game yeah, they like definitely. stop playing yeah. at that point and i and yeah. i have to, i can't blame them to be honest because i think the morality system in this game uh both these games is by far its weakest point um mm-hmm. just either like all the choices are like 
really binary as you said it's like extreme good or extreme evil or you get yeah. something like the ending of infamous 2 where it's so that choice at the end of infamous 2 is actually morally gray but it decides to paint one mm-hmm. choice as good and one choice mm. as evil and you're like wait that this you shouldn't be doing this this is way more <laughs> complex and you've simplified yeah. it and it's really it's it comes off as really childish um, just a really immature uh, approach to you know morality, and it's not like this game is targeted at a young audience. It's clearly targeted mm. uh, adults. So for the morality to uh, the morality system to be so immature in a lot of ways is uh, it's it put. I, I'm not surprised so many people are put off this uh, this game because of it. Um, it was a bit of a barrier for me until I decided I'm just going to pick, I'm going to be good this playthrough, so I'm just going to pick that and just pretend the choice system doesn't uh, even exist in this game because the actual mm-hmm. gameplay, the powers, I really, really love. It's just that thing that you know holds this series back for me. Yeah, so obviously the, the good and bad paths have uh, different unlocks i mean that's the key thing but also in terms of your powers you know blue powers are are good red red powers are bad you're still an electric man even when you're red but obviously um the sparks are a different color (laughs) and he decays Um, a little bit in his face for some strange reason it looks more zombie-ish if you uh go along the evil karma path it's something they got rid of actually in the new one but yeah all right okay yeah that's that was sort of i don't know the sort of yeah like fable that kind of yeah. thing mm-hmm. yeah yeah nice you know nice ideas but you know another thing again i like the the concept that you know you would go around if you were being good people would be cheering for you mm-hmm. and you know you know you get these reports and and things saying what a you know what a fantastic guy you were but then you know if you took the bad path you know it was arguably worth at least you know seeing some of that in replays and obviously some of you did uh, all of you except me i think um i know josh you didn't in the first game but um maybe that stuff would have maybe that is where the fact that the city felt a little like an artifice uh kind of let lets things down a bit in a way um i mean i've seen we've seen it I think other games have, have tried similar stuff. There they? was yeah. some good ideas in it. There was, um, if you played, I'd never actually gone as far on a um, Renegade sort of shift with this stuff. So I don't know if, how that works, or whether it's just they run away from you. But when you're positive... They punch you, actually. Sorry? Yeah. <laughs> They do actually hit you. Yeah, because yeah. that's what I was, that, well, that plays into it then. Because what I liked about doing the sort of the Paragon version is that when you're fighting enemies, all the pass, all the sort of civilians would start throwing stones and stuff at them and and mm. start you know attacking mm. them. Which mm. I, when you get to that point, I, can't, I like those little moments. I like those that detail and just yeah. that little sort of yeah, that stuff was quite interestingly I, implemented. I thought, but. I think also um, the negative part of the moral choice meter uh, for me is mainly the choices, the story choices. But the mm. the one aspect that, that I'd point to and say I do actually like is the uh, the gameplay implications of it. Mm. Being able yeah. to choose to capture enemies alive rather mm. than killing yeah. them or draining mm. them of their life force. I think that's mm. really interesting. I just wish... 
it wasn't attached to so simple a system and it was much more like uh, get rid of the meter entirely and just have the world react to, to the way you're <laughs> treating it so if you're you know capturing people alive the you know the crowds cheer you and help you out if you're killing people they start throwing stones at you just get rid of the the meter that tells you you're good <laughs> and evil and get rid of the aesthetic kind of oh look mm-hmm. how evil i am now or look how angelic i am now just yeah it, it simplifies tied to, to yeah. all the unlocks are tied to these decisions aren't yeah. yeah everything you know everything you do but but you do get these weird sort of um you know paradoxes where overall you're you're doing an evil path but then some of the you know some of the things you can still do in a certain way but it makes no difference to how people see you um i mean i i had a lot of fun actually you know to a point where you would you know take out an a group of bad guys and then yeah pin them all to the floor mm-hmm. um only occasionally you know sucking one's life forces <laughs> for health or whatever um but uh but in the end, actually, you can end up sort of, sort of doing doing a lot of that and sort of repetitive um, inputs of just you know pinning pinning guys to the floor because you've kind of got into the habit. Whereas actually, it's a lot more fun to be vaulting skyscrapers and, and things like that. I found that I um, I got quite OCD about that. So you yeah. don't kill people, <laughs> and if by accident I'd, I'd wounded civilians, it's like oh, save the civilian quick. And I had to keep yeah, going yeah, around, yeah. and I spent so much time having to revive people off the pavement. You know, yeah. and, although I liked it initially, by the end of the game, it's like, oh, I you see, yeah. Well, that's the thing; it's easier to get civilians caught up in as collateral yeah, damage yeah. the further you get in the game because your like your you know your vortex powers or your you know lightning blasts are so you know all encompassing. You're throwing groups of vehicles into the air <laughs> and of course of course of course people are getting caught I, up yeah in the, see uh, i didn't do any fun. of that because i knew what would happen it's like you, you've got now really <laughs> oh, powerful no. grenades but i don't use them because there's all these civilians walking around it's like <laughs> i'm gonna kill them all i i think so, infamous 2 did a better job of uh um providing powers for the if you went through as a as a paragon uh, providing mm-hmm. powers that assisted that so there's like a sniper yeah. power that you can mm-hmm. unlock if you play good and also the grenades yeah, the grenades rather than killing people just pin people to the floor and stuff like that mm-hmm. um I, I i think where in the first game i think playing evil from what i hear and some of the video footage i've seen playing evil is actually a lot more fun because all the powers are explosive mm-hmm. and you get to see mm-hmm. cars blow up whereas in the second game i think it's a lot more balanced um having played both um mm. it seems like they really really made sure that the good class had powers that suited that play style rather than in the first game where it felt like you were kind of just trying to work around the fact that you had these really destructive <laughs> powers and you didn't want to hurt anyone um that that said i really did like role playing as like the spider-man type hero who was like <laughs> pinning people to the floor and you know okay cops you take them from here you know <laughs> i just i there was something really appealing about being able to role play as a proper superhero instead of just killing mm-hmm. everyone like in every other open world game absolutely yeah and that's yeah. totally what that's totally all my memories about playing infamous one and two that's all that it's about because although as i say i did dabble with evil uh playthroughs um and yes there's certainly uh there is it does grant 
catharsis and liberation and, and stuff like that. But actually, I got the same kick out of it as you, Josh. And I'm just thinking about it now. Now, I'm not a comics law expert, but I think um, I think it's fair to say that Cole, as you power him up, ends up with quite a lot of powers that are probably familiar to, you know, they're probably ones that you could say, are, I mean, I don't know what Electro's like in, in comic books, but I imagine he must have some of these powers. Mm. Um but things like the he's got kind of Iron Man repulsors, you know, and that, and that I mean, that's just that's like as much fun as I had um, jumping insane distances in Crackdown. It was it was the grinding and floating in Infamous mm. um, and then mm-hmm. with the option to slam and throw things. And again, yeah, just that I like, as I say, it was all for me, it was like a, a classic video game. Like, you know, when I grew up playing video games in the 80s. I used to walk up to an arcade machine and it used to say, you know, I might not even watch the attract mode, but it might have said, you know, you are a plane, you go and, you know, you need to <laughs> fly behind enemy lines and kill the other planes. And I'm, I'm fine with that. You know, even though I'm, I like to think of myself as a, as a relatively intelligent person, I like intelligent films and things like that. When sometimes when I'm playing a video game, I just want to throw stuff mm-hmm. about and blow stuff up and be an electric man. And I don't care about the plot and I don't care about the story and I don't care about the characters. Um, and that's that's how I enjoyed Infamous. There was there was no real connection to me to, to what was going on. I can't even remember, for instance, talking about a story. Who were the bad guys all the time? <laughs> Who were, were they? Just gangs or what? what? Uh, yeah, mainly. Yeah. To start with, it's just a bunch of gangs who happen to have like a leader that's got powers. Yeah. But oh, then uh, later on, they introduce Kessler, who's like yes. this weird, like he's Cole from the future. Mm. A dark future. Yeah, yeah, he's. That is the spot. Yeah, Yeah, you don't know that as far at first. Yeah. All I remember is ex girlfriend and bin men. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, but I enjoyed, you know, for what I honestly, I didn't, half the time, I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. And and often with, you know, with, with stupid, dumb video games that are stupid, dumb video games, I'm completely fine with that. Mm. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, I remember some of the enemies being a little bit. There were some sort of quite creepy ones. There were a couple of annoying sneak missions, but they were satisfying when you did them. But there were, you know, a lot of missions where it was actually just about you know wreaking havoc. And mm-hmm. those missions where you end up and you go into the places that um, are powered down and you have to turn the power on. And that's, mm. those, those, those actually, like normally, I would think, oh, this is so annoying because it's taking your powers away. But actually, there were there was an element of strategy to them. Um, which I actually quite enjoyed. So some of my favourite missions from Infamous 2, which are usually missions I hate in other games, but in Infamous mm. 2, for whatever reason, I really loved, were the chasing missions where you had to chase, yeah. down, a mm. mis- uh, chase down an enemy, simply because the, lo- the way you move <clears throat> around the city in uh, Infamous, and especially Infamous 2, is so fun. Just grinding mm. on those rails, grinding on electrical lines, and then using mm. like the power cables that run up buildings to boost up and jump up on the building mm-hmm. and then later on where you because in infamous 2 you can get fire and ice powers when you get the ice powers you can launch yourself in a pillar of ice and you know mm-hmm. you've got the repulsors as well as well it's just really really fun to move mm. in infamous and uh, yeah. move around the environment and so just all those missions where you're just moving really fast to try and chase down an enemy i loved it because it felt like you were like combining all this knowledge and all these Mm -hmm. powers together in really interesting ways yeah this uh, this you're kind of touching on like why this is probably like one of my favorite open world 
uh, series because it's the world traversal that most open world games bugs me. Like having like GTA mm. is a prime example, having to drive around everywhere to go yeah. to this pot across the entire map. Whereas in both infamous games, you can just jump and fly across. And like of all open world games, I think they master traversal more than that I've played. Yeah. Um, more, I mean, I haven't played Saints Row Four. I know everybody brings that up a lot, but um, yeah, I, just, I don't know. I really like flying around the cities in these games, and it just makes everything so much faster. Yeah, it's just doing that stuff that you see in Iron Man movies or whatever, mm-hmm. other Marvel Universe movies, where you, you you launch yourself across, you know, fifteen blocks, and then come to a perfect halt in the middle of a group <laughs> of baddies, and then blow them all off the building with, <laughs> with some sort of blast. Uh, that, uh, as they say, it never gets old. Um, mm-hmm. Possibly it does actually, but for it doesn't get old for the fifteen hours or whatever it takes to finish the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's the buzz. It's definitely the the yeah for me the same thing. It's the locomotion and the power trip of of the because mm-hmm. as I say, if you do stick with it, and yes, perhaps you know maybe yeah maybe they they could have done a demo for the first game along the lines of that famous uh, Crackdown demo where it heightened your experience rate basically. So you you by the end of the demo, you saw rather than doing the prototype way where it just gives you all the powers and then takes them all away they did a demo where you could get to the kind of the maximum by this by the end of your half an hour of play or whatever um and I, yeah i do wonder like you know it does i'm not saying that every every element of it is perfect once once you get to that point you know some some of the platforming still feels a little weird mm-hmm. and the shooting feels a bit funny and you know whatever and it doesn't feel like as absolutely pristine and refined and polished as as some games perhaps do but um once you get to the the, the latter stages with all those powers it is uh, i found it a joy anyway mm. it definitely yeah. feels that they improve upon that stuff with each game i mean i've yeah. obviously sean's the only one who's played second son but it, it it you know certainly between one and two there's a, a, a quite a substantial improvement in that stuff i just mm-hmm. wish and and it, whilst it is fun, I do wish that they got they put more effort to the story stuff because the the stuff mm. that worked in, in in one, where there's the big twist is that it's revealed mm. that Kessler, this guy who's been hounding you, killed your girlfriend and everything, you know, <laughs> created this yeah. problem is you from the future, and it was such a good little. I I liked that twist, yeah, even if too. it was quite signposted at various points. You kind of think I I quite like this. And then it's that's it. That's all that we need to do with that. Like toss that out the window and let's move on with the story. And it's just like really yeah, that's what weird. The hell? Um, <laughs> it was yeah. I, I I just felt that it was at the point where you realise that that's you're fighting yourself. I thought this is actually really interesting. Where are they mm-hmm. going to take this? You know, like the potential of uh, this idea that you you know as each game progresses, you're going to see you dis- either you know become this guy. Uh, no, <laughs> let's not bother with that. Let's just, um, mm. you know, and then when the, the, when the second game starts, oh, oh, here's the beast. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there he is, uh, fighting for a bit, and then bugger off, somehow managed to outrun him in a tugboat all the way down the coast. <laughs> and and uh, then, then you've got this timer ticking down, and that irritated the hell out of me throughout the game, to be quite honest. But um, yeah, but yeah, and then the second game just kind of goes off in another direction with with very little reference to Kessler and you know the first sons and all all this sort of stuff that they'd been working in the first game, and it's just ah 
really? I, I, I think for me it didn't bother me as much because I never thought the, the story was that great. And mm. even though the Kessler twist is interesting, um, it's still kind of just comic booky tropey oh like it's it's yeah. that's that trick has been done so many times uh by marvel and dc that it's well i mean it, the second game basically wholeheartedly rips off x-men does it yeah, well x-men yeah. the movie so it's just you know yeah it's just yeah yeah and and i kind of like the the beast is built up to be like this all-powerful kind of character and um and when you first fight him, he does come across as like a Dr. Manhattan uh, style, yeah, like yeah. all powerful, kind of manipulate everything around him villain. But mm. then it takes him like weeks to get to you. <laughs> You're like, well, he's yeah. taking his time, isn't he, for an all powerful <laughs> being? Um, yes, he just sort of strides slowly around the coast. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of more like Godzilla than, than yeah. Dr. Manhattan, yeah. or, let alone the devil, you know. Yeah. But yeah, a bit disappointing. It, it, what's what's even more stupid is as the game as it gets into the sort of the latter stages of the second game, it's revealed that he is actually the guy from the first game who you right, thought was yeah. dead. And at that point, you're like, well, why didn't he just get in a bloody plane and fly down there <laughs> and then sort it out? Because he's human. It's not like and all, because all the all the entire for the rest of the game previously, it's this giant beast walking down the coast, and you kind of think. All right, this mm. is silly, really. Um, but yeah, whatever. I like blowing stuff up with the powers, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what it comes back to. Yeah, I suppose you know, uh, in these days of you know where we have, you know, I'm quite happy to play games that are entirely about the the narrative. Obviously, we've covered a few of them on on the podcast, dear Esther, and things. But even thinking about The Walking Dead, but sometimes it's okay. As I say, I think it's it's fine. I'm I'm certainly fine with it because I've done it a lot. You know, going all the way back as as the uh, older members of this panel have. Um, but even not even even the not quite so old ones. You know, they're, they're, we all go back to the days of games with very little plot and exposition and, and yeah. just simple aims and and where the the gameplay, the you know, the the moment to moment stuff. If that's if that tickles you, if it scratches an itch of some sort, then then that's fine. And that's not to say that we shouldn't be critical of these things because they've attempted to do something. And and I think you know, apart from the hardcore infamous uh, fans, and and as I say, no doubt they're out there. Um, I'd yeah, I think you'd be hard pushed to find too many people who were absolutely besotted by this by this fiction that um, Sucker Punch have created. Obviously, uh, if and when we were to do a Second Son podcast, we'd you know, see how that goes, um, what, what, if anything, they've done with, with the story. Obviously, it's a different protagonist, um, famously so. But, yeah, um, the, the second game uh, I was looking earlier, um, it's still in my download list, and um, had a look to see that there was actually quite a lot of little little bits of dlc for it weren't there mostly um trinkets and add-ons um nothing substantial we're, we're coming on to festival of blood which was standalone um i don't think the first game had anything did it no no it additional had, content that i can recall it, whatsoever there was one single DS, dlc power like gigawatt blades oh, okay. i think they called it yeah and i think it, i oh, think was that it in came the first out, game oh, yeah right. and it, it um i think you can get it as a pre-order but then i think it, they put yeah, it on the right. store like a year and a couple months later <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah, when no, no one's playing it right. anymore. 
Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. Um, the second game had more of that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, weapons and skins possibly, like, you know, classic coal and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, we were another two years down the line in 2011. Um, and that, you know, that sort of uh, microtransaction thing was really starting to kick in. Um but again, I, I, you know, having gotten the game for for free through PS Plus, obviously they they often focus on giving away games with DLC because that's they can you know, right. make some of the money back on that. But I certainly didn't think, oh, now I've got Infamous Two, I'll <laughs> I'll buy all these seventy nine p trinkets and powers. You know, none of them are necessary to yeah. progress. I haven't really looked at any of that stuff. But was there any of it no. for designed for the like the mission construction thing or whatever the the online uh, don't I don't think so. I think it was mostly just like you could change the melee weapon. Like he would use Sly's cane instead of his little amp or whatever it's called. Yeah. Most of it was just yeah. stuff like that and jackets. Yeah. Jackets. Yes. Yes. Um, what do they call those? Um, vanity items. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yes, that brings us nicely on to the user-created portion. Uh, yet another game. There have been many with uh, user-created potential, as in, you know, people can go in, make missions or, or build areas or set things, tasks for players to do. I can't remember the exact integration, but I seem to remember um, certain... I don't know how it decided which ones were available to you, but it was to do with icons on the map, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. You could go to mm-hmm. certain places and that would give you... It'd be a trigger point on the map where you yeah. could yeah. start it. It would give you a, a, a little description of what it was or whatever, and then you would just start it up. Yeah, it was kind of integrated into the main game, wasn't yeah. it? Though They're like what other the the stages that other people were making. But how did how did it sort the wheat from the chaff in terms You'd, of? You could apply filters to it. Um, right. You could say mm, only okay. levels that are rated five stars rated, and yeah. stuff like that. Okay. So there 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 was systems in place to make sure that the cream rose to the top. Um, okay. Yeah, and I, I think it was actually really well implemented. Um, I didn't really play about with the user uh, creation stuff uh, myself because it's like no. with all user creation stuff, it kind of gets a bit complex, and you end up hating the thing you've mm. created and then just <laughs> give up. But um, I did, mm-hmm. I did play about with quite a few people's levels, and some of them were really fun. Mm. Yeah, I, I recall a mixed bag. Um, yeah. Even even with the higher rated ones, I recall some being a little bit, you know, too fussy. You know, like showing the hallmarks of somebody who'd never designed a game yeah, before, yeah, yeah. like just really annoyingly tight time limits or or, or stuff like that. Um, or maybe I was just being rubbish, of course. But um, but others, that, yeah, okay, that was fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I think as as we mentioned earlier, I think there were probably trophies for possibly doing one or doing one well and um, mm-hmm. maybe a trophy for making one, even if it was, you know, uh, half considered mess. <laughs> I think it was um, kind of interesting, but I would have loved to have seen co-op in this game. Like yeah. proper, you yeah. had, you had several characters with powers that you feel that, you know, one of you could have played the other ones and stuff. And, you know, having like the, the, the idea of having powers that complement each other so you can use them in tandem and stuff like that, which make them even more powerful. That kind of idea, I thought, yeah, it could, I, mean, it, I guess it may, it may still yet happen within the series. But yeah, next gen stuff could allow things like, say, one of you is ice and one of you is fire. Mm. 
Mm. Um, you know, one of you makes a giant column of ice and then the other one melts <laughs> it and it does a big wave of, you know, water washing everything away or something. You know, yeah. I'm just I'm thinking <laughs> on my feet here, but that that kind of that kind of thing could work. Um, but yes, what what about the? I mean, not as a too wider discussion because it's it's a huge subject. But um, I suppose I'd say you know fair play for them attempting this because they must know for all the work they put into integrating this user created stuff, and it's obviously useful in the sense that they put it on the back of a box, and you know, casual punter buys it and sees you know, unlimited missions created by other <laughs> users or whatever it says. Mm. And of course, the reality is that you only ever play a handful of them and you never create any and only 0.00001% if that of people actually make missions that are worth playing for it. But there they are and, and that's there. I mean, presumably now, obviously, I, I presume there's like nobody making levels anymore, mm. but you can still access all the ones that have been made. And I suppose if you went back to the game now, having you know re-downloading it from your ps plus list or whatever you'd probably find the the good ones really had risen to the top mm -hmm. so i suppose you could even say you were getting a better game experience now than somebody would have had playing it at the time of release yeah it, it also feels a little to me like a kind of a way to combat used sales or trading it in i guess rather because that this came out around the time when like everything had multiplayer, and if it didn't, it, it publishers were certain it was going to get traded in. So they kind of—I yeah. felt like it was at least a clever way of like, since they weren't going to have multiplayer, keeping something yeah. in there that would keep you coming back once you finished the story. Even though, like you said, probably most of us didn't, but yeah. it was something. It was an yeah. attempt at something. Th this was when Sony was really pushing user-created content as well, because mm -hmm. I, I believe Infamous Two. And Mod Nation Racers were yep. kind of announced mm -hmm. around the same time. So they were really, yeah. really pushing user created content in all their games at that point. Mm. Yeah, the whole play, create, share thing. Yeah. So, yeah, um, 2011, that was the game. The second game came out in the summer, um, November in, no, not November in Japan, slightly later in the summer in Japan. Uh, yeah, June, July type era um just four years ago now um yeah so it's quite a big gap between i suppose four years between the previous one and and the the recent next gen one um but october of that year uh halloween tie-in came out uh infamous festival of blood um it was a standalone game you didn't need to own infamous one or two to play it um but it also came as part of a like a complete edition or something, <laughs> a, a collection. Um, so this has a horror theme, almost, um, almost in in the mold of Red Dead mm -hmm. Redemption's Undead Nightmare, I guess. The kind of, was it kind of? I I didn't play this. Um, I think Sean and and Josh, you both did. Yeah. Kind of campy horror. Or? Well, the, yeah, the entire the entire story is told by Zeke as he's trying mm -hmm. to chat up a girl in a bar. Uh, so yeah. that will give you an idea of the tone of the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really campy. It's really ridiculous. It doesn't take itself seriously. Mm -hmm. um, basically, Cole gets bitten, and it's him trying to um, uh, cure himself of his vampirism before the sun rises and he's a, sla mm -hmm. a slave to the master vampire forever. Um, okay. 
Yeah, and they introduce some cool things like you can suck people's blood to regen stuff, and uh, you can turn into a swarm of bats and fly about for a bit and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but ultimately, I didn't enjoy it as much as the main game. It kind of, mm. um, I think the new powers just weren't interesting enough, and um, yeah, and the st- uh, yeah the missions weren't that great. You were just kind of fighting vampires, which were annoying enemies to fight um so mm. i i liked it but it wasn't it wasn't as great as the the main games yeah totally agree and and from what i remember there was also some like a fair amount of backtracking through tunnels yes in this yeah. game which 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 you yeah. know it's it's way more fun to be out in the city jumping around and stuff and this was just you're on a lot of um railway lines where you can do the flying down the lines thing but that was pretty much the majority of the actual content was it just wasn't as fun but it it was cute i mean nothing special yeah so so some of the criticisms we we'll hear shortly from uh, correspondents relate to the introduction of more supernatural enemies into infamous 2 compared to the uh, first yeah. game um sort of you know swamp beasts and you know zombie-esque type things basically um does the presumably festival of blood falls foul of that but i suppose it feels more does it you know it feels more well appropriate well infamous 2 is taking its fiction absolutely seriously so i think it's a bit more jarring to have those like necromorph type creatures charging at you but um yeah in uh in festival of blood because you you know it's a complete fantasy that zeke has made up in his head try, mm-hmm. trying to impress a girl at a bar you just you just go yeah. with it because it's you know it's not taking itself seriously and mm. that this story never took place in the actual core universe it's just made up so yeah it it, it didn't bother me it's just more the fact that the actual gameplay content itself is just less interesting fair enough Yes, looking at the uh, commercial side of the game, according to VG Charts, of course, as ever, because they're pretty much the only resource providing this information, Um, the original Infamous sold a total of 2.74 million, which I don't think is too shabby. Um, And the sequel dipped quite uh, dramatically to 1.65 million. Really? Which is... Yeah, less uh, more than a million fewer, and as a percentage, that's quite a chunk, uh, almost a third, no more than a third. So, yes, I don't know what happened. Would be you know be interesting to see how well Second Sun does. Obviously, it's in a completely different yeah. market. It's on yeah. a new machine with with few must-have in inverted uh, commas exclusives. Um, certainly, a lot of people on my friends list have been playing it. Um, the only reason I haven't picked it up really is because of money, but. Um, and there is, of course, now that syndrome where it's like, how long before this arrives on PlayStation <laughs> <Yep>. Plus? Um, <laughs> and, you know, I was in a, one of the few secondhand game shops uh, left around here. Now, there used to be one on every street, almost literally. Um, and now there are a couple throughout the whole town. And for, you know, I'm seeing some PS4 launch games that they're now selling for £20. And you're just thinking, well, don't need to wait long before. Hmm. Before it's going to be at you know that price, if not as part of your your plus subscription. But um, I mean, I have this thing now where it's pretty much crazy now. As I say, I'd forgotten that um, I'd sold or gave sold. I think to Jay my my copy of Infamous. Um, 
and I actually went. We've I've got so many sort of free downloads from PS Plus and and various you know and humble bundles and things on other systems. I don't even remember which games I own anymore. There's, <laughs> because of the, I think it's because of the digital thing. The co- collections have now got so large, but also kind of because they're not all con- they're not all downloaded. So you've got all these games that you not own. You don't own most of them, but you have access to. But I actually had to go and look at the PS3 store to see if I owned a digital copy of Infamous in case I, you know, just acquired one at some point i hadn't um but infamous 2 was there so oh yeah um (laughs) it's just i just find it very bizarre now because you know i still i I still remember you know cradling 40 sweaty pounds or whatever to you know buy one game every so often and now it feels like they're kind of throwing them at you and still people moan anyway Um, I'm sure we can talk a little bit more about the games as things come up from our correspondence because we got we got some quite good in-depth stuff. So, um, uh, yeah, we'll start with Suzafer. Suzafer. It sounds like Tommy <laughs> Cooper or something. Uh, from the forum, as a huge fan of the Sly Cooper series, I was eagerly looking forward to Infamous after it was announced. Seeing how Sucker Punch managed to make a comic book style series previously, I was filled with hope that they could do something great within a superhero game. I think they nailed the feeling of being a hero or villain with powers and the traversal across the city was sublime, if a bit sticky at times. But the characters were nowhere near as good as those found in the Sly Cooper series. Cole came across very flat, and the less said about Trish and Zeke, the better. The only thing about the story that was memorable was the big twist. For Infamous 2, I felt Sucker Punch made a massive improvement with the story, making both Cole and Zeke more likeable. The canon ending, which is the good ending, was really well done too. I also thought that New Marais was a much better environment than Empire City. Both games played absolutely brilliantly, and you really felt like a badass, even when the enemies were sniping you from five blocks away. The game almost felt like a huge open-world platform game. A hangover from Sly Cooper, perhaps? The boss fights in Infamous 2 were a huge improvement over the original, each fight making you think how best to use your powers. Much like in Crackdown, I spent hours hunting the blast shards, only to be left with one in each game to find. I even used maps to try and find the elusive shards, but alas, to this day, they remain in their cities, taunting my trophy list. (laughs) My main complaint about the games is that Cole seemed too much like a good guy, that when you made bad choices, it felt completely out of place for the character. Uh, so yes, uh, that would be uh, a, a close relation of that that thing they call ludo narrative dissonance. Mm-hmm. Um, so because the story is, you know, they have to write the character um, a certain way. Certainly, at least at first. Uh, I mean, you've done some playing as bad. Do you think that's a that's a problem, uh, Josh? Sean? Yeah, I, yeah, definitely, it's a problem. It's it's like he said actually earlier in the comment that it makes you feel like a good hero and villain, but. I think it's more just makes you feel like a good hero because you're not really a villain because the stuff in the story you're doing is still saving the day. But yeah, um, anti-hero-ish. Yeah, but so so it makes like you have to kind of go out of your way to do the best or like consciously think I'm going to do a bad playthrough and do the bad stuff and and yeah it just it totally throws everything off. It's yeah it's a bummer that it's in there. I empathize with the um, shard hunting thing. I have one left myself in that, and I am not going to go through every inch of those maps trying to find <laughs> it. And it's the same with Crackdown. I've got all but one wretched orb, and it's <laughs> and I do get to the point where I think, yeah, forget it. Then I'm not going to bother. Yeah, uh, 
but yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, the, yeah, the shards. These are, uh, I mean, there's there's some, you know, uh, ropey explanation because these were thrown out around the city <laughs> um, by by the initial explosion, I believe. But they're all kind of stuck to the sides of buildings and things like that. Um, and yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I probably had as much fun doing that collect them up thing as anything. Now, not it's not just the act of collecting, is it? It's the again, it's the locomotion. It's mm-hmm. the getting from A to B using your repulsor lift and your and your jetting up the sides of buildings, electric powers that makes getting them fun. I think the game gives you more tools with which to locate them than say crackdown, which is pure, yeah. purely on the visual audio visual side. Whereas in uh, infamous, you have a, a radar that you can ping, mm-hmm. can't you? Like yeah. Sonar ish. I had, I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. I've, got, I've got to admit, I don't think I finished either, either of them in e- all of them in either game, but you know, uh, as, as those kinds of quests go, you know, for me, it massively beat the pigeons in GTA 4, oh, God. Uh, the feathers in Assassin's Creed 2. <clears throat> uh, and Sazava also mentions uh, the boss fights. Now, I don't have a huge memory of um, boss fights in the game. I remember a, a vague sense of being frustrated at a few points with the game, but I think those were mostly to do with the sneaking and stealth missions. Um, I think the first game I have a re- recollection of it taking me a handful of tries to beat the, the final boss. Um, the second game, maybe only two or three tries. So I guess I'd say that was an improvement. Um, any any good or bad memories of boss fights in either game? I think the... the yeah, I, I can't remember much about the first bosses, but I remember the second bosses, they they went much more grand and made it very uh, God of War-ish kind of... Especially that very opening fight with the boss, yeah. like he's just this massive thing that takes up the entire screen while you're fighting it. And it's definitely an improvement over the first one. Hmm. Yeah, it's just guy-sized guys, isn't it? In the first yeah, game, yeah, much. yeah. Uh, I also have a recollection of being on the back of a truck. That's probably my favorite oh, mission. Yeah. That's in the first yeah. game yeah. where you, you've mm-hmm. got to you've mm-hmm. got to escort this bus to the hospital, oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they've they've wired up. Uh, uh, generators on the top so you can charge yourself up without having to get yeah, off yeah. it and stuff and it is literally just it's like an on rails shooter really it's just mm-hmm. blasting the hell out of everything but it's um yeah that's probably my favorite mission in the first game it's uh yeah i mean it's it's got an element of a protect mission yeah. isn't it because the the truck can get right. destroyed but as long as you're quick enough and you have enough electric power and there are no civilians to worry about on the level either so you can literally <laughs> ah, go to town with whatever whatever you've got Andy Kurosaki from the forum says he's never played Sly Cooper, but the premise of this get superpowers, decide how you put them to use, appealed to me. Very much enjoyed both of these. While not outstanding games, they certainly passed a fun 10 to 15 hours each. Morality-wise, as ever, this is for Andy, it's evil all the way. I like to think of myself as a good person. Maybe. Maybe you're not, Andy. Maybe you thought about that. So in games where there's no consequences, I prefer to do the exact opposite. Give people food and accept your enemy's surrender. Sod that, blast everyone in your way and be a complete tool. Makes me laugh anyway. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It is indeed consequenceless, apart from your soul. Harry <laughs> <laughs> G uh, says, The first Infamous is one of the few games I knew remarkably little about before getting into. Nothing, in fact. As someone who buys numerous magazines, visits numerous websites, and at the time listened to a few podcasts, I have no idea why I knew so little about this game. Anyway, I'd just come back from a five-week work trip and visited a local supermarket to pick up dinner and flowers for my other half 
and I spotted two games, not on the shelf before I'd left, Infamous and Prototype. I should have picked up one. I picked up both. A mistake, if I'm honest. Prototype was the first game I played. It had some fantastic ideas and some interesting concepts, but failed to hold my attention. It bored me, which is strange as I very much buy into the superhuman power fantasy. So next, I placed Infamous in the disk drive already, and I loved it. Now, I should make clear that I am a comic book nut as much as I am a video game geek, so this game was aimed at me for sure. Everything from the reluctant protagonist gaining superpowers trope to the stylized cutscenes appealed to me. Naturally, I have played through to completion multiple times. It was the best open-world superhero game since Spider-Man 2. Infamous isn't perfect, though. The tropes are thick and fast, sometimes it's laughably cliched, not necessarily the fault of the game as the material it takes inspiration from, I guess. The karma system, though, fine for what it is, makes some choices feel too video gamey and not organic enough. True power, li- True power lies on the evil side of the spectrum, but something about that doesn't suit Cole's personality. The city doesn't feel natural, it feels bland and forced. Characterization can also feel weak sometimes, Trish particularly, but even Zeke on occasion is hit and miss. I feel this was pretty much fixed in Infamous 2, mind you. One final issue is that the limited power set can make the gameplay repetitive. Unfortunately, there is a limited amount of ways to handle combat. Melee isn't an option, which means most of the time it comes down to sniping with the electric powers, the variation being whether to do so on the move or stationary. Although there are other ways to handle combat more often than not, it isn't practical for all but a limited amount of scenarios. Also, some might find the story convoluted or bizarre. I do not. I love it for what it is, a fun little origin story. But I can see while the whole Kessler and the Ray Sphere plot might be a tad too far for some folks. So, a flawed gem for me, but a gem nonetheless. Again, um, I would never rule out them having their own uh, Cana Rinse issues. Um, prototype 1 and 2 possibly could be a two-game show um, if there's enough enthusiasm from listeners and crew alike but um another interesting uh pair of games that i have thought about before the are the uh spider-man the two spider-man games so there was one on ps1 which i think was by um the pro tony hawks guys who never soft yeah wasn't there and then the sequel was by treyarch i think uh <laughs> if i'm correct spider-man 2 on the ps2 um and those are very uh well thought of um you know for their time i remember people being very surprised at what you know how how much fun they've managed to make make out of um, you know an open world 3D Spider-Man. Yes, yeah, Sp- Spider-Man Two was the one that because the the other Spider-Man games before that were pretty much linear. Spider-Man Two was the one that said, "Okay, let's put this in an open world," and I think right. it's the first superhero game, licensed superhero game, where people thought, "Okay, this can really work in the right hands." And uh, a lot of games, I think, that have been referenced here have taken influence from Spider-Man Two, Infamous, mm. definitely, uh, Prototype, mm. uh, even Hulk: Ultimate Destruction owes a lot to Spider-Man Two. So, I- I'd be interested to talk about that game because I think it's. Uh, it's kind of the origin of a lot of ideas that have formed uh, better games. Yeah, actually, Infamous 2, um, one of the best powers you get is actually towards the end of the game, but it basically turns you into Spider-Man. He just shoots, <laughs> instead of web, he shoots uh, lightning across, I think, if I'm rem- remembering it right. And you just swing around the city, and it looks amazing. Yeah. But you get it like right at the end of the game, so you barely use it. But mm-hmm. this takes inspiration there, definitely. 
Yeah, I mean, I would say there were um, for, <laughs> for for our older listeners, there were there were some great superhero games going way back further. Yeah. In, you know, in the eight and sixteen bit days, some great Batman and yeah. there was a there was a very well received Spider Man game on the Mega Drive actually, um, the Amazing Spider Man, I think it was called. Um, and there, yeah, there there have been various ones, but that was certainly in the three D era. That was a, a game that I remember people getting quite excited about that that sense of freedom combined with superpowers. Um, the other thing uh, that uh, a previous correspondent mentioned was um, the that suck effect. And I remember talking about this on Game of Thrones five years ago. Uh, now, it is a weird thing. So you are, you, know, you jump in the air, you, you float through the air. Um, now, if it was completely left out of your hands, if it was just down to the physics of your jump and, you know, the, the trajectory of your character, you would miss stuff a whole mm-hmm. lot of time. It, it would not be easy to, to hop onto the top of a roof and balance on a, on a spire. Um, and this is kind of a cheat, but I'm so grateful for it because Without it, I think the game would just be extraordinarily frustrating. Yeah, it never bothered me either, too, because, I mean, the, the controls respond so well that where if you missed where exactly where you wanted to land, you just hit X again and jump right in that direction, and it'll do it in an instant. Like, it's yeah. never really bothered me. And it also makes more sense for him to have, like, a magnetic grip than it does for mm. Nathan Drake, because you can kind of rationalize <laughs> yeah. it in your head. You go, oh, he has electric power, so it's, it makes sense that he yeah. can create, like, a magnetic field where he's just drawn mm. to things. Um, I hadn't even thought yeah. of that. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, apparently Sly, uh, Sly Cooper has, this, has a similar sort of thing um, mm-hmm. in, in his old platforming days. So, obviously, Sly not having magnetic powers, as far as I know. <laughs> Um, his raccoon powers, uh, whatever they are, uh, and and I think it was a uh, you know it was to stop that thing. We you know we talked about when when platform games are irritating, particularly in a three D space when you're looking at a two D image, it can be incredibly difficult to judge where you are in, mm. in virtual space, and sometimes it makes for extraordinarily irritating moments, especially in um, first person stuff. But even in third person stuff, even in you know games that normally do it right or mostly do it right like super mario you know we talked about sunshine recently and you know that has a few of those moments where you feel like you're definitely floating towards the platform that you want to be on and then you suddenly notice that the shadow is somewhere else altogether and um that can be enormously annoying um so yeah that little that little helping hand but i think it i think for some people it makes them feel like they're being guided too much and it's taking away their ability to be you know that that flashy superhero of their own volition you see what yeah I mean? but i'm into it uh next up is tadinho now this is a bit lengthy but um it's good stuff so he talks about both games all the way from brazil tadinho says i didn't expect much from infamous first time i laid my eyes on it Graphically, I thought it looked ugly. The gameplay looked slow and unappealing, and the story seemed to be the same old drivel of what would happen if a normal person got superpowers. Not even being being made by Sucker Punch eased my mind. I ended up eventually picking it up, and I'm glad I did, because Infamous turned turned out to be one of the games I played most this generation. The game hit all the right buttons with me from the get-go, as it had a great intro and a setup for what the game was going to be. Gameplay itself proved to be pretty fun, with you actually managing to feel like a superhero most of the time, but without feeling untouchable, you can die easily if you're not careful. Yeah, that is quite true, actually. Mm -hmm. 
The way powers were uh, handled was great, in my opinion, with them being very well placed throughout the game. And that feeds into one of my favorite things about Infamous, which is you really feel like Cole, as you gradually learn to control your powers and get better at the game, you have this really nice curve of difficulty, powers gained and your own improvement at the game. The story, while no masterpiece, really interested me with its whole conspiracy angle, which made me obsessively collect all the dead drops I came across to get a new piece of the puzzle, similar to early Assassin's Creed games, actually. It also had some interesting characters like Alden, Kessler, and even Cole himself, I'd say. None of these elements alone are great, but together, coupled with some great details like TV broadcasts and the look of the city, helped create an interesting world that I spent countless hours in. The karma system, which only lets you get the better powers by going up or down in the morality bar, and you can never have powers from both sides, so it's best to pick a path at the start of the game and stick to it, because there's no reason in trying to make actual choices, because they won't benefit you in any way. For example, if you choose a certain evil or good choice later on in the game, and you have the opposite karma, your meter will do a complete 180, putting you either in full good or full evil, regardless of all your previous choices. Huh. Uh, interjection. I did not know that. No, neither did I. <laughs> if that's true, that's bizarre. This isn't only bad in a story level, but when it comes to gameplay, it's worse <clears> because you essentially get locked out of your good or evil powers you had and can't get the new powers from the new alignment because you're 95% done with the game. The parkour can be a bit wonky with you never being able to precisely jump where you'll grab and so on. The side quests are very repetitive with the same types of mission over and over again and that goes for the combat too because despite me enjoying it a lot, uh, seriously lacks enemy variety to spice things up. None of this made me not like the game though and especially after the twist at the end I was completely on board for Infamous 2. I'm not saying that the game is bad but it's just so underwhelming. There seemed to be no interest in shaking up the original formula to try to elevate it in any way. It just ended up being a carbon copy of the first game with some minor tweaks, and I expected more. The only thing that evolved in any way was the combat that has much more variety in it, and some elements didn't fit at all for me like those necromorph riff-offs that have no place in this game. The story that was really built up thanks to the end of the first Infamous was the worst part, not for, not for being cringeworthy, but by being terribly boring. All the potential and mystery created by the first game was destroyed. Here, the best thing I could say about it is that the relationship between Cole and Zeke is good, but other than that, I can't think of much. I don't know, maybe I had unreasonable expectations, and this game was never going to be good for me no matter what. But from what I've seen of Second Son, that seems to be more along the lines of what I wanted. So I hope I can check that out eventually. Uh, unfortunately, of course, Tadinho lives in Brazil, where PS4s cost something oh, man, like thousand yeah. dollars or something. Yeah, yeah like months, months and months of wages. Um, so yeah, what uh, I get the impression, like I sort of know what he means about being slightly underwhelmed about Infamous Two, because although I played it through, you know, I enjoyed it. It was free uh, on PS Plus. Um, it perhaps, yeah, perhaps it didn't have the same, quite the same buzz the second time around because it was so similar, even though there were a few positive tweaks. I don't know. I, I like, I like Infamous Two a lot more than the first yeah. one, and I do agree that it's not a huge change. But I just kind of feel like Infamous Two was the game that the first one was trying to be, and 
I think everything just locks together more tightly in the second one. Just all yeah. the powers work better. Um, one of the bigger improvements is the melee combat, which in the first one was just completely useless. But yeah. the, the way they use the amp and having those finishing moves and stuff like that with the amp, um, I think mm. that was a big improvement. Yeah, so I, 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 I get what you're saying, but I had the opposite reaction. I ended up liking Infamous 2 a lot more. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you, Josh, on that. And I guess I can see, like, he's kind of mentioning something Jay brought up earlier about how 2 kind of does away with a lot of the stuff in the first game. And he seemed to, <clears throat> excuse me, he seemed to be pretty interested in the first game story. So I could see why that would be, you know, the situation for him because it's just totally mm. kind of reversed on him. But yeah, I agree with Josh. Like, I just think, like, I just think everything about 2 is significantly better. So I don't know. Um, if you were going to go back and replay one, it would be the second one. Yeah, mm. I've got two points on on in general to some extent, but this the the infamous games are probably one of the few games where it makes sense that the character can't swim. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it always yeah. Struck, yeah, cause like how many times we play games now, and for whatever reason, you like with John Marston, for example, you step in like knee high water and you're dead. <laughs> It's, it's yeah. always been like, oh, really? But this is still mm. one of the few games where it made complete sense that he would kill him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But also, this the, the Necromorph thing. Now, and I just said this earlier as well, which it it does. Those things do kind of make sense within the story, though. That's because they're they're created by Bertrand. Right. That's his mm-hmm. power to create these, yeah. and he does that in order then to turn people against the you know, powers, if you will, or the, mm-hmm. the mutants or whatever they are. Um, and he's using them for his own sort of ends. So that's, but, and it kind of makes sense, but yeah, they kind of feel a little too. I think my problem yeah. is that they look too much like Necromorphs yeah, to yeah. the point where I'm just yeah. like, uh, yeah, this isn't really original guys. Mm-hmm. You've just taken those enemies from dead space and just put a new, you know, coat of paint over the top of them. Mm. Um, and they're nowhere near as interesting to fight as the Necromorphs in Dead Space 1. Mm. No. Uh, you just bash them to with your amp until they stop moving. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. The, and I, I think they're the least interesting enemies to fight in the game um, by mm. quite a wide margin. Mm. Every game... Every game... Not every game. That's a massive generalisation. A lot of games seem to have to have something along these lines don't they? I mean even Crackdown had its kind of uh, mutant freaks and stuff or was that only in the that second, the second game, one I think yeah no they're yeah. in the first they're in the first they? one oh, yeah because you, go, you well. go into the yeah. uh, labs don't you and after you've done that lab mission mm. that's where they yeah. get out into the sea and obviously Halo has the flood mm. you know you have to have the mindless supernatural monster mm. in almost <laughs> almost every franchise um obviously somebody likes it equally annoying in every franchise as well <laughs> yeah I mean well yeah depends on the game and the circumstance i think but it, yeah it's a strange trope mm. isn't it final piece of correspondence we always like to finish with the most positive one if we can if there is one and there certainly is in the case of infamous with chase 210 saying that infamous is one of my favorites game series of all time i picked up the original game on impulse having never played any of the sly cooper series and i absolutely loved it Cole felt incredibly powerful right from the start. The climbing felt Assassin's Creed-esque and incredibly fluid. I loved the comic book opening. I played through the game in two days, evil first, and then went straight into a good playthrough. 
Empire City was such a great location to explore, still the best in the series, I think, and had an incredible sense of identity. Combined with Cole's abilities of movement, it made exploring the city an absolute joy. I also love the way that as Cole gradually powers up, it's almost like an RPG, as enemies that at the start were quite a challenge, like Reaper conduits, were being blasted away by the end. The side missions were also pretty cool, except for the annoying repeating ones, such as taking the photographs. I also like the general story behind Cole's gradual discovery of how and why he gained his powers, although the love interest thing seemed a bit meh, as Trish always seemed like not worth the bother. (laughs) 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 So wasn't a fan of having to go into the sewers every time I needed a new power, uh, and the cover system seemed a bit redundant. Those flaws don't detract from my love for the game. I was therefore thoroughly hyped for Infamous 2 launch day purchase, and I loved it almost as much. They really increased Cole's mobility, and some of the new powers were great. My gripe was with Cole's new voice actor and the Swamp Monsters, which I always felt were a bit rubbish. Numeray also lacked the sense of identity I got from Empire City, and the militia were never as cool to fight as the varying gangs. I did like the story more, however, and I liked the combining of powers with Quo and Nyx. Seems like a forerunner to Second Son. I did also play Festival of Blood, wasn't a fan, although it finally gives us the ability to fly, it also muffed it up with dodgy controls and a hammy story. While I don't have a problem with the karma system in terms of gameplay, as I like how different powers encourage uh, encourage different playstyles, I dislike the way it influences the story. Cole is a bit douchebaggish and surly, but (laughs) never did I get the impression he was the murdering scumbag you see if you choose to play as evil. It's a bit bizarre, almost cartoonishly villain. Am I going to share my food with the starving people or blast them aside and take it for myself? Doesn't make a lot of sense. Overall, love the games, love the series. I'm hoping Infamous 4 will be the one that finally irons out all the little niggles. Yeah. Does like it. Yeah, so I remember those sewer sections in the first game being uh, quite irritating. Um, That was, yeah, so that was the sections where you actually had to go into the area without the power, wasn't it? And then Mm. find a manhole cover, go underground, and then do a uh, sort of... Yeah, ten, a more classic platforming section, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jumping from pipe to pipe. <laughs> sewers that make absolutely no sense. <laughs> yeah. Just like platforms everywhere in a sewer. No reason that it would ever exist like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yes, then switch on some power and get a new power. But um, yeah, I suppose that, yeah, there's a there's an in-game logic to that aspect of it. But um, yeah. did they do away with it in the sequel? I can't remember. I don't remember there being any sewers in the second one. You had to link together those power boxes, didn't you, to get new powers? Or mm. am I imagining so- it? Or- oh, no, like those no, purple that's crystals. Not it. Yeah, it was the purple crystals. Yeah. You found one of those, and yeah, sorry, I'm getting mixed up. Um, yeah, they they basically got rid of it. Yeah. Mm. Always telling. Interesting. Uh, and now from Twitter, uh, a selection of three word reviews. Oh, we got Roxy Box. Warning, high voltage. Uh, Stu Splendler says superpowered boredom. <laughs> Mr. Flabio says grind those rails. Alan Wilkinson says pointless binary morality. Andy Rodriguez, uh, Gandhi or Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> Cookie Man says different voice actor. Michael Hughes says, synonyms for gritty. (laughs) James Phyllis, good being bad. Uh, John Lloyd, sly so serious. (laughs) (laughs) 
Patrick Smith, Electro Hitler cometh. <laughs> uh, I think we've managed to go 121 <laughs> episodes uh, of Kane and Rinse without mentioning Hitler, <laughs> and then you get two in a minute. I'm not sure if that's true. Please, nobody go back and listen to every issue <laughs> to find out. Phil Laidler says, good, bad, electrifying. And Pietrick says, just simple fun. Okay, to summarise then, um, these two games, I think the original plan when Tony and I scheduled this one was to come out slightly more in time with Second Son rather than after everyone had finished it, but, uh, you know, whatever. Um, we can still say, you know, should people go back and revisit these or, or, or would we recommend anything about them at all? Uh, Jay? I think it's going to get harder and harder as time goes on for people to go back to the PS3 games, isn't it, now with the PS4s <laughs> out, but... Mm-hmm. I kind of like them. I, I can't say that I didn't enjoy playing them because I, I did. Um, they don't necessarily, and it, it's a funny thing. Like there's, a, there's, a, I've got this thing where if people come when we have friends around, I've always got these what game I'm going to show them or I want to show them certain mm. scenes of games. Mm-hmm. And oh, look at this bit here. I've checked this out. Look what you can do here. Uh, Infamous never comes into that kind of <laughs> situation. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. you know, but like I said, I enjoy playing them. I felt that there's still there's still some they could still go somewhere with us. Um, maybe as um, was it Tadinio said uh, which one oh, somebody mentioned about Infamous Four and you think yeah okay four player co op that's what you need that you tie that into the title <laughs> and 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 that game could be absolutely stunning. Um, I don't know you know it, it. I enjoyed the time I spent with them, but they were quite quick to forget soon after you know they're just they there was nothing really that lingered um but overall i guess it, it, it i think of them in a positive light but not you know what can you do <laughs> <laughs> what, what can you do in <laughs> um yeah I'm, I'm kind of similar uh i enjoyed playing through both of these games in a very sort of throwaway fashion. And and I'm absolutely fine with that. Um, I had fun, definitely had fun. Um, few annoyances, you know, the odd, the odd one or two stealth missions and sneaking and maybe the occasional boss fight moment and tricky platform. But mostly I was having too much fun zooming around with me Iron Man style repulsors and me uh, super electro blasts and me wind powers and enormous grenades and chucking cars and and just doing that thing of of having that freedom to tear up the world you know and um and that and that was uh, yeah i got a lot of video gamey fun out of them these neither would be anywhere near my epic shelf um certainly agree with certain elements of them being forgettable but i have a lingering pleasure and pleasant sensation of um of the time I had being Cole when he was, you know, at least sort of beyond halfway through the game. The second half is a real blast, a real just, yeah, like classic gamey action. What's the word? Festival of nonsense. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I I mean, I enjoyed Crackdown in much the same way, which is obviously a couple of years before the first Infamous. Um, And yeah, as I say, they occupy a similar compartment in my head, um, not to be taken too seriously, but uh, just to, yeah, just to be silly, have fun, switch off and, uh, and enjoy. Sean. Yeah, I didn't 
have many expectations for Infamous. Like I said, I bought it because of a beta. Like this was my uh, Halo Three Crackdown situation where I I mm. just kind of mm. bought it because it had this extra thing in it, and I ended up right. uh, yeah, just like really having a lot of fun with it. I know it's it, it's the story is not going to be anyone's favorite, um, but I still think the traversal is uh, unmatched. Actually, for me, that, that from games that I've played, like I said earlier, like I just they only get better with each game too. Like after having played Second Son, I can confidently say like that's the best traversal I've seen in a game in an open world. But again, like you guys are saying, the story is not really memorable or not very many moments that I can specifically point out and say like that's the reason why these games are a lot of fun. It's just very on the go, um, just enjoyment that I get out of it and. Yeah, I don't know. They're a lot of fun. I th- you probably have both games for free, like you were saying, Leon. You might not even know it, but <laughs> yeah. you probably do have both games in your backlog. So if you haven't played them, yeah. eh, you can play worse games. You know, it's 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 a lot of fun. I think so. Yeah, why not play them, hmm. Joshua? I'm, uh, you know, quite a big superhero nerd, and while I don't really buy comic books anymore um, because it's an expensive hobby and video games mm. kind of won out on that war for my soul. Um, mm. I still keep up with uh, comic book lore and, and, uh, and I love the Marvel movies and the Nolan Batman films and stuff like that. And, and I feel like infamous um, really nails the superhero power fantasy. Um, like the only game I think that does it better is uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. Um, it just, these games kind of just, I, I feel, even though the powers are really different, um, I do feel yeah, like Spider-Man yeah. uh, in Infamous, like being able to, you know, secure criminals to the floor and go, okay, cops, you can handle it from here and just go uh, move around the city really quickly and, you know, stop these uh, criminals and go on these really cool missions uh, that are really inspired by ridiculous, stupid comic book stories. Um mm. Yeah, I, fun is the word I think of when I think about these games. Like you guys have mentioned, I, I can't, I can't put these games amongst like my very, you know, the most um, important games to me, like Resident Evil Four or something like that. It, it's not a classic for me, but I just had a lot of fun playing these games. They're just really entertaining. And they they nail a certain type of power fantasy that really interests yes. me. Um, I think um, maybe going back to Infamous One might be a struggle at this point, but mm. I think people should go back to Infamous Two, especially seeing as it's been available on PSN Plus in the past. So I'm sure many of you have it on your download list, so it's easily accessible at this point. Um, yeah, I, I, I yeah. Infamous 2 is great. I really love that game. Um, Infamous 1 is a very good game. Uh, But yeah, both fun but not classics. I think um, we could probably slightly bend a a Kane and Ridd's rule here and actually three of us who haven't played a game could probably recommend Second Son based on what (laughs) we know of the previous games and two PS4 owners who are looking for something to play. Um, Many of them who will have bought it already, but... um, you know, knowing what I know of its quality, having spoken to people and having played through the other games, I certainly think that, you know, if if you haven't played an Infamous before, but you have a PS4, um, be a perfect time to dive in, probably, although it's not cheap at this point. Mm. 
while we were recording, um, Tadinho made another post on the forum. Um, he found a little thing about, out about Infamous. Now, I can't vouch for its uh, veracity, but I think uh, Did You Know Gaming is normally, unless this is, uh, it's not an April Fool because it was posted on the 3rd of April, uh, which is today at the time of recording. Um, did You Know Gaming says, Did You Know? Infamous was originally developed as an Animal Crossing style game with the main character fighting purple gorillas who were stealing balloons. <laughs> sure. So, I'm willing to believe Why that. Why not? Um, you know, given the developer's <laughs> history and stuff. Yeah. But uh, that's, one to, that's one to consider. All right. Uh, so that's it for Infamous. And uh, it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Jay, Josh and Sean and to tell you all that next time, in issue 124, I'll be discussing Vanda, Caballeros, Papo and Yo with Sean and James and Tony. And until then, stay electric. <laughs> Thank you.